tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Open Heart of the Open House podcast with the incredible Dr. Terry Mack and a slightly huskier than usual Louise Rumble here as your co host. I've got a little bit of a cold, as everyone does in London right now. I am all good, but apologies for the slightly raspy voice that you guys are on the receiving end of. The amazing Dr. Terry is here with me and we are discussing all things breakup territory today. This podcast comes off the back of the last episode that we've just recorded and released discussing all things Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker and their new engagement. And we know that a lot of you are pining over Scott and what could have been. Today we're discussing all things heartbreak and what to do when you feel like someone has got away. We've all been there. We feel like we are never going to be able to get over it. I have a lot of personal experience to share on this one. So yeah, Dr. Terry, let's get into it. For a quick background recap on Scott Disick, he dated Kourtney Kardashian for upwards of 10 or 11 years. Never quite made it to the marriage status, which I know that Dr. Terry thinks says it all. But Ultimately, Scott has not ended up with Courtney, but it's very well known that he thought that they might. He has said on many occasions to Courtney that he would marry her there and then. He's always thought that they would get back together. They've got a number of children together. So for him, I think this news is probably a real shock to the system. And what I've read and heard from a couple of people on the inside is that he is not doing well he's in a very bad state and they're quite worried about what is going to happen after this particularly with regard to his history of drug abuse alcohol abuse etc etc so dr terry over to you what is going on here when we genuinely think that that person that we are not with is the one let's talk through the psychology of it yes So first of all, I want to say that heartbreak is so incredibly painful. I think in in most circumstances or some circumstances, it can be worse than grieving the loss of somebody who died because you don't have that person in your life anymore. And yet they're still walking the planet, right? Mm -hmm. So heartbreak is even physically painful and it takes as long as it takes to get over someone. I also want to say in regards to Scott and for those people listening who may feel like the one got away or the person they're supposed to be with got away, the number one criteria of the person who is supposed to be your partner, any person who's supposed to be your partner is that they want to be with you (laughs) consistently and that they stay around, they stick around to work on the relationship with you. 
So anybody who has gone away or if there's been a breakup, that is a clear indication that they are not your person. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. And it's also really hard to accept that. But anyone who doesn't want to be with you is not your person. Interesting. And at this point, I would say, okay, so that person leaves and if we think we're supposed to be with them we start making excuses for them right so we say maybe oh they're not ready to do this right now or oh they need some time alone or maybe I did this or whatever when we get into those kinds of situations is it important that we don't start self-blaming it all on us or making excuses for them like we need to really look at the reality of the situation which is that like you said ultimately no matter what baggage that person has or what they've gone through in that moment, they decided to walk away and they do not want to work on this relationship. Yes. People spend so much time trying to interpret, assume, analyze the psychology of other people and yeah. the of other people. Why, why did they go away? Why didn't they choose me? Why didn't they stick around? but they're focusing on the wrong thing. What they need to be focusing on is the fact that they're gone. It literally does not matter why. It is not our job to try to understand why somebody left us. The fact is they left us and our person will not. Wow. Yeah, that is fascinating because with my last breakup, which we will get into later in this episode when he left all I could do was justify why he did it like that and why he dealt with it and why he did it on the phone and you know all of these things and I was like trying to almost be like oh well he did that because of this and he's like this because of this it's not his fault that he's like this because he went through this in his childhood etc etc and one day ultimately I had a phone call with someone it was a guy which I think is always good to also get the opinion of the opposite sex because I think that particularly with females they give you space to make excuses and they maybe make excuses too I don't know if I can generalize like that but that's been my experience and I was on the phone with this guy and he just said to me I kept saying oh he's just such a nice person he said he's obviously not that nice if he just broke up with you on the phone and never spoke to you again and he obviously just doesn't care right now enough to do whatever stop making excuses for his behavior look at it objectively And in that moment, it was so hard to hear, so horrible to hear. I got really defensive. I was like, you don't know him. But ultimately now, six, seven, eight months later, I can look back and be like, you're right. He didn't want to be with me for whatever reason, whatever we had gone through. And that's where it sits. That's where it ends. Draw a line under it. Yeah. And I think psychologically, we often perseverate why and the justification, the excuses because we're protecting ourselves. We do not want to accept the fact that this person left us, that this person hurt us so badly. And so we avoid the pain of that or the reality of that by, you know, we're in this denial state. We focus on all these things that we have no idea what the truth is that we protect ourselves from that reality yeah you're right and I think that the stages of a breakup and they're really interesting you can google it there's like the whole graph and it takes you through all the different stages and for anyone listening I actually felt that my breakup kind of 
went on a slightly different trajectory so you don't have to take that at face value but I think that what is interesting is I feel like you go into that initial shock piece and you're either in major shock or you're actively trying to fight for them back and then you kind of move down the thing and you move through the different emotions maybe some more anger and maybe some guilt I know I had a lot of guilt that then kicked in and the part that I had played in the breakup the part I think that we're going to focus on today is that slightly further down the line piece where you perhaps are feeling like you should be over it by now or you should be okay and you're not and you feel like well maybe this is a sign that I should be with that person I think a lot of people feel sometimes that if the pain is so bad you know if it wipes you out totally you are bereft you are broken that the severity of that pain almost it's saying something about like that you should be with that person and I know that I felt that I was like this is the worst breakup I've ever experienced I've never experienced anything like this like I can't cope I can't eat I can't sleep I lost a stone in literally two weeks it was so bad and all I could think was that this must mean that I am supposed to be with this person I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that or if it's something that you see coming up in practice Oh, absolutely. And I will say that that is 100% wrong. <laughs> you know, if you are struggling to get over somebody, there are reasons for that, but it is not because you're supposed to be with that person. You are not supposed to be with anybody who isn't choosing you, right? You have to flow with life and the people that are meant for you will stick around. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to earn their love. You don't have to explain to them why they need to stick around. Those people wanna do it wholeheartedly and it, it's never a question. So most often when people are stuck, grieving the loss of a relationship or trying to get a relationship back, it's because of the way they're thinking about it. It's because they're using unhealthy coping mechanisms and they're focusing on the piece that they don't have control over versus the piece they do have control over. The piece we don't have control over is how that other person feels about us, what that other person wants, that other person's psychology. What we are in control of is taking care of ourselves, healing, letting go, accepting reality and moving on. Mm, amazing comment there about the control piece, because I think that that was a huge part of the shock to the system in my breakup was that like, I was this princess in this relationship. He doted on me, and we've discussed in another episode why that's not healthy as well, but I was in full control of that relationship. I had full control over everything, over him, over me, over everything. I was in full control. And then the second that he pulled the ripcord and never spoke to me again, literally never spoke to me again, the tables turned. And in that moment... There was nothing that I could do. I couldn't control him. I couldn't get him to speak to me. You know, it's really interesting to think of it in terms of control, because I wonder if actually a lot of people are just trying to get that control back. I think that's similar to the danger that you get into with those text exchanges or, you know, talking to them when you break up. And now looking back at this breakup that I've just had, like the silence was, oh, excruciating for me. And we'll come to 
why it was even more excruciating for me personally because of my own wounds but actually I look at friends around me and I have a guy friend who's just gone through a breakup and I look at the back and forth of the texting and I'm like it, it's not healthy either it's almost like a control game it's like well I just want to see this and I just want to see if they reply to this and you know it's really interesting to think of it in terms of control and I guess that brings me on to closure as well does that tie into control you want to feel in control to get the closure or is that something different well yeah another word for control is power when we go through a breakup so often we just give our power away i mean we do it in relationships too but since we're talking about breakups we think i can only be okay if this person comes back if this person loves me, if this person responds to me. So we literally hand over our power to somebody else and we feel completely helpless, completely powerless. Our state of well-being is dependent on what somebody else does, which is the most dangerous and painful place to be. Instead, if we recognize that we need to stay in our own power, that we have the power to make ourselves feel better, that we have the power to create healing and loving space for ourselves, that we have the power to reach out to people who are present in our lives, then we start to heal, right? So yes, it's so much about power and those people that get stuck like Scott, who really feels that Courtney is his person. And the fact that he thinks that they would ever work out is somewhat delusional. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but they Mm -hmm. had so many chances and so much time to make a relationship work. And it wasn't meant to work. If it was meant to work, it would have worked. And so Scott would be so well served to start to focus on why he can't let go and why he can't focus on himself, love himself more, heal himself so that he can find a partner that is actually a good match for him. Rather than these 19 year old girls that he keeps dating. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. And you know what would happen if he got Courtney back at any point, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And we spoke about this in our last episode about Courtney and Travis, that she seems to have, you know, broken her own cycles. We spoke about unconscious attraction in an episode about Khloe Kardashian and Tristan. She seems to have done her work, taken some time, not relationship, jumped, broken her own cycles, opened up the space for what she really wants and deserves. And she's found it. And we said, Scott hasn't done that. He's jumped from unsuitable relationship to unsuitable relationship with younger 20-somethings, older teens, people that are just not where he's at in his life right now. Probably emotionally, he's choosing people that are at the same emotional maturity level. Oh, wow. Which is a sign that he has healing and work to do if he wants to be in an adult relationship. I was always thinking as well that it was like they would never pressurize him to settle down because they were so young. Like to me, I was just kind of keeping his options open there and then having a bit of fun at the forefront. But I think circling back on the why this has impacted Scott so badly, I think if we look into his family dynamic, which admittedly is a very sad one, he lost both of his parents in very quick succession towards each other I think within the space of a year which is 
heartbreaking and wouldn't wish it on anyone. And that basically means that, you know, his family are the Kardashians. So for me, I think when I started to do my work post breakup to look at in therapy and alone, why did this breakup, excuse my language, fuck me up so badly? I started to understand that ultimately it wasn't really about the breakup at all. It was about something so much deeper, like those wounds that like lie inside of us, they're hidden, we don't even realize they're there until we start doing the work. And then when I started doing the work, I started realizing, oh my goodness, you know, I had lived a life where I never felt good enough, I never felt worthy, I had to overachieve consistently and constantly as a way to prove my worth, prove that I'm lovable, prove that I can keep up with everyone around me, you know, to make my parents love me, to make them proud of me, to make me feel like I was keeping up with my brother, who I always had a very competitive relationship with. Ultimately, this man loved me and loved me for all of me. And then when he left and left in the way that he did, the breakup on the telephone with no warning, you know, two weeks after he just basically written me a letter, like declaring his love for me, saying he'll never need to be with anyone else and changed his life. It was almost like confirmation of my inner child's deepest, darkest feelings, secrets and fears, which is that I am unlovable. This person that finally loved me for who I am and said that he would never leave me has just left me. And now I can look back and be like, wow, you know, even talking about all of this, and it is some very deep stuff. So hopefully anyone, you know, listening doesn't feel particularly triggered by this. Some people might be like, like, what the fuck is she talking about? You know, this is ridiculous. But when you start to look under the surface, my experience is that if you have had a breakup that really, really has knocked you off your feet and you really are bereft sometime later, I think it goes deeper. Do you think that's fair? Absolutely. If we are stuck pining over somebody that is not choosing us, there could be a number of reasons for that. But I mean, relationships and breakups trigger our deepest wounds. And I know this is going to be a little bit controversial, but relationships aren't mostly about the outcome or the person. You know, even as we talk about Travis and Courtney, like, they're going to have this amazing relationship. Is it a forever relationship? We don't know, but is it going to be a relationship where she learns and she grows and she evolves? Absolutely. We never know the outcome of a relationship and a relationship isn't just about the outcome. It's never about the other person. Mm -hmm. And so when we're struggling with a breakup or a heartache, it's often because our stuff is getting triggered. And that is the point of a relationship. And when we're focused solely on getting that person back, we are totally off the mark. Instead, we need to be looking inward. Why am I having so much trouble letting go? Why is this causing me so much pain, right? Just like you're saying, it touched on so many old childhood wounds and oftentimes breakups are the catalyst for the biggest chapters of healing oh I just got goosebumps when you said that because ultimately this relationship has changed me as a person I would never take it back despite the horrendous experience that it was because I have gone 
on the most insane healing journey ever. And the reason for that is I didn't even know that these wounds existed. And again, people listening might be like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Like, how can that be? And the reason for that is, is that I had had a number of long-term relationships. I had never been cheated on. I was always the one in control, the one that ended it, the one that had fallen out of love with them and moved on. These breakups for me were never that awful. And then bam, 32 years old, the tables turn, the situation is flipped on its head and all of a sudden, wow. And sometimes these wounds don't even come to light until, like you said, something happens like a breakup or something major that you didn't maybe see coming or, you know, whatever it is, you're right. It wasn't until that happened that I was put on this path of thinking, wow, what is this wound? Where does it come from? How have I hidden it for so long? And the irony is, is that I haven't hidden it for so long. Like my whole life has been dominated by protecting the wound, which is overachieve more, do more, be in control, be the one that leaves, you know, don't get hurt, blah, blah, blah. But in that moment, it was like I had nowhere else to look other than at the gaping wound that was like in my heart. So that is an amazing thing that you said there. And I think that will be really very interesting for a lot of people. Yeah, I think oftentimes that's the purpose of relationships to break us open, right? And to reveal the deeper parts of ourselves that need healing. It's never fun. It's oftentimes the most painful part of our life. And there's a saying, the only way out is through, right? So you got to go through it to get to the deeper layers of yourself so you can, you know, live a fuller life. You absolutely do. And I think that one of the things that I'm most proud of, or there's probably two things that I'm most proud of from going through this recent breakup is the first one is that I did it without reverting to the coping mechanisms of my 20s so I think a lot of us probably will go through a breakup we will drink our way through it maybe we'll smoke our way through it maybe we'll take drugs sleeping pills maybe we'll exercise shop you know go out and sleep with random people whatever your own personal coping mechanism is whether you run towards it run away from it I think that for me to do a breakup in lockdown living with my parents with zero coping mechanisms it was like bam there is no escape from this but I know that I'm going into this head-on and I knew at every turning point of that pain I knew that I'm going through this the quickest that I can it might take a year I mean it's been 10 months now and I'm just coming to the other side it might take a year but for the people that suppress and avoid and distract it might take five years, right? So that was the thing that I was first, that I was so proud of. The second thing that I'm most proud about my breakup is that for so long, I felt like I desperately needed closure, connection. I need to speak to him, just one more conversation, just one more, I just need to see him one more time. If I can just see him, I can say this, he'll realize this, just one more time. And I never, apart from his birthday, which was like three days after we broke up, I never, ever reached out to him. And that for me was a real way forward in this journey of growth and learning that sometimes we just have to focus on ourselves, like you said. So I guess I'd love to talk about some more actionable tips and tricks 
for people that are either maybe like falling back into coping mechanisms that are distracting them or maybe people that are like desperate for that final connection call or to send that text do you have any kind of thoughts around the more actionable tips and tricks yes and i want to say one quick thing about closure before i get to that because you're right so often we believe that the closure is going to come from the other person again it goes back to that power the truth is we don't need that other person for closure that we we tell ourselves that story sometimes because we believe it and sometimes because we really just want to talk to the, the person again but we have the power to close it up on our own that person is gone they actually don't even deserve access to you anymore. And by continuing to leave the door open and also to give them the power of giving you closure, again, you're helpless, you're powerless. So you don't need them. Write a letter, write a letter to them. So moving on to the actionable items is kind of some crossover. When we feel like reaching out to that person, First of all, understand what your triggers are. Some of the common triggers are alcohol or drugs. If we're drinking, we're in a in disinhibited state. That's oftentimes when you reach out to an ex. If we're feeling lonely, if we're feeling sad, that's a common trigger. If we're in places where we used to go with our ex or we hear a song that we that we associate with them, those are common triggers. Oh, and when we're tired, that's a trigger as well. Hormonal for women, yes. maybe. Hormonal, yes. <laughs> so be aware of what your triggers are. And then instead of reaching out to that person who does not deserve access to you, reach out to a friend who's agreed to be your accountability buddy or a coach or a therapist and text them instead or write down what you want to say. And I think Louise, you were saying that you did this because oftentimes it's not really about the other person. It's about us speaking our truth and expressing or processing our feelings and thoughts about the breakup. So we can do that without them even present. Yeah. So I started writing him a letter, but I wrote it on my iPad. So it was editable. And, you know, as a therapist, you're probably going to tell me this is absolutely not what I should have been doing. But for me, it was really cathartic because every day when I was upset or whatever, I would add to it. And I'd be like, no, actually, that's not right. Like, I'd delete that and be like, this is how you made me feel. And some days I'd be angry and I'd be like, I can't believe you did this. How could you do that to me? But then some days I'd be sad and I'd be like, today I've reflected on this and like I did this in the relationship and I didn't realize that it did this to you and I just want to say that I'm sorry etc etc and I probably wrote that letter on repeat for two weeks and it was the most cathartic thing that I've ever done and then if I ever wanted to text him I would write it in the notes in my phone and I would always say to myself 48 hours you've got 48 hours to sit with this message and if you desperately want to send it in 48 hours you know we will do that I cannot tell you how many times I got to 48 hours and I looked at that message and I thought, oh my goodness, thank God I didn't send that <laughs> Yeah. Some of them were like, how could you? And some of them were like, you're the love of my life. Like, oh my goodness. Especially as he's very unemotional, a big stone waller, and I'm very emotional. It would have just been the worst thing I could have done. So I love the idea 
here, writing it down, texting someone else, calling someone and just crying it out or being angry or processing rather than suppressing, right? Yes. You need to process your feelings. You need to speak your truth. You don't need to do it with them. (laughs) They're gone. And that's the mistake that we often make, right? The other thing that I advise people is when we're going through heartbreak, we idealize the relationship. We think back on the best moments, the things we miss, and we forget about the bad parts and the reasons the relationship didn't work out and how we felt when things weren't going well. So I encourage people to focus on those things when they start to miss this person. And oftentimes we're missing being in a relationship. We're missing the affection. We're missing the companionship. We're missing that friendship. It's not necessarily about that person. And so being able to separate that in your mind is also really important. Yeah. I've got two things to say here before we wrap up. The first one is that you are so right. I always say that it's a bit like childbirth. So you look back and, you know, I've obviously not had a baby, but from what I know is you kind of forget about the pain or the, the experience and you're just so overwhelmed by like love and the, this baby that you've got, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like that has happened throughout all of my relationships. When I look back, I put them on a pedestal. I'm thinking about a projection of them. I'm thinking about the good times. And you only think about the good memories. You know, when you're falling asleep at night, you picture the good times. You don't really ever fall asleep thinking about the bad times. I think even if it's an abusive relationship, sometimes you still prioritize and remember the good memories. So for me, writing down in my notes, again, on my phone, objectively the reasons that we were not compatible, that we were misaligned, and even, hoping that he doesn't listen to this, even things about him that I did not like. You know, I loved that boy more than I've loved anyone else in the world. That doesn't mean that there aren't things and traits about people that you do not like, or you do not think gel with you or gel with the people around you. So that's my first thing to say is that, yeah, that note is a game changer. And it's upsetting to write. You feel bad and you feel guilty, but you have to do it. And make your friend make you do it if you can't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I really found quite revolutionary was that the point of companionship, like you just said. He was my best friend. I spent every second of every day with him when he was not at work. He moved in with me after two weeks, you know. Yes, so many red flags, but we've learned from that. We went into lockdown straight away. The relationship wasn't real life. It was a global pandemic. There was a lot going on. But ultimately, he was my rock. He was my home base. We spoke in the Justin and Haley episode about how someone else cannot be your home base. And since losing him, I realized that I didn't have the structure of friends around me that I needed to help me through that breakup. And in that moment, I realized I either right here, right now, need to go and actively nurture that friendship group, or I'm in this alone. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think going through it alone just wasn't actually an option. It was like I I was in that mindset that I can't, I can't do this. I can't make it through this. So I guess let's wrap up on the point of, do you have any advice for people that are feeling stuck or maybe not sure where to turn or who to talk to, or they feel they've been a broken record for so long about the situation? Because I think that's something that happens as well. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't even talk to my friends about this anymore because I've been going on about it for however long. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Well, this is something I find myself saying a lot. And it's not that it helps people in the moment who are going through a heartbreak, but um, this is something that a friend said to me years ago. And it's the simplicity of it back then was so powerful. And I found it to be so true. And that is that there is always going to be another relationship. And when we are going through a breakup, we always feel like we're never going to find another person. We may be alone forever. We're never going to feel this way again. And the truth is you got to let things flow. You have to let people go, right? People who want to stick around, beautiful. Those people may be your people, but the ones who leave are not. And so anyone who is listening to this, who is stuck, the work is really turning toward acceptance of reality. The more we resist what is, the more we resist reality, the more we try to control something we're not in control of, we suffer. And I don't want anybody suffering. We can't escape pain, right? Heartbreak is painful, but we feel the pain. We process it. We accept it. We move on. And that's how we continue to meet people that are going to love us, help us grow, help us come into more alignment with who we are, but we can't get stuck on a relationship that was not meant to be. Yeah. I love that simplistic quote. And I think the one that resonated the most with me was when someone said, give away the idea that it could ever have happened differently. I think so often we say, if I just done this or, oh my goodness, but if that or that or that, what has happened has happened. We cannot go back and change the past, but we can focus on the future. And I think that the thing that I want to leave you guys with is, I see a lot of people around me and they go through pain and it hardens them and they build up their protections and they lean into their coping mechanisms. And now having done all of this work, I can see how beautiful it is to work through the pain with compassion and to stay soft and to not let it harden you and not let it turn you into someone that makes you harder to love or makes you less likely to connect with other people. So I think that Let's focus on working through life and heartbreak with a bit more compassion, softness, and giving away the idea that it could have ever happened differently. Because I think Courtney has shown us that there will always be another relationship, like you said. And finally, there will be one for Scott. I believe that. Do you believe that? I believe that as long as he's willing to accept that Courtney is not his person right he's got to accept that and really move wholeheartedly forward I feel like that has been full of amazing pieces of wisdom and psychological insights so thank you so much for your input you are wonderful and to everyone listening no matter what you are going through we are here to support you we are working on some breakup and heartbreak content workshops and courses for you right now so do stay tuned if that is you we are here to support you on this journey called life we'll see you next episode and dr terry thank you as ever
before we go, I just wanted to let you know that Dr. Tari and I have decided that for some people who aren't quite ready to jump into one-on-one therapy or couples therapy just yet, then a relationship reading is the perfect place to start. Working with Dr. Tari in this one-on-one session, she will help you to identify your unconscious attraction, your relationship blind spots, exactly what your personal work looks like, whether you're single or in a relationship, and which outdated coping and protective strategies you are still using that push love away instead of allowing it to grow. If this sounds like something you're interested in, DM Dr. Terry or head to her website at Dr. Terry Mack, that is D-R-T-A-R-I-M-A-C-K.com and just mention me, Louise Rumble or Open House to get your discount on a session that might just change your life. Stay tuned for a whole array of different workshops, courses and live sessions under Open House as we have so much that we want to bring to you in case you cannot get inside a therapy room. Until then, lots of love.